We're in the middle of this series entitled Here to There. And in this 17-week-long series entitled Here to There, our goal is to move from a place uh, uh, where we're at to look more and act more like uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, like I said, 17 weeks long, so that's a long series. So we've broken it down into four distinct legs, and we've covered two of those legs thus far. What do you do when your world turns upside down? That was leg one. Leg two was um, having a, the right kind of heart before the Lord. Now, today, we're going to get into this subject matter of having prevailing faith. We look a lot like Jesus when we have a prevailing faith. And once again, this morning, as we did last week, we're going to use the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah as our main example and text uh, a source for this message uh, this morning. I want to begin with a quick review from last week and, and what we talked about with Jeremiah last week because it sets up this morning's message uh, uh, really well. Last week we talked on this brick and mortar of having a right heart before God using Jeremiah chapter 1. And um, I want to give you three words to kind of hang your hat on this morning in summary of last week's message. Um, God comes to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were Born, I set you apart. Um, I appointed you as prophet to the nations. This brings us to brick number one. Brick number one is the word plan. The word plan. This is brick number one of having the right kind of heart before God. You've got to understand that God has a plan for our lives. Not only for Jeremiah, but for you and for me also. There's a destiny we're meant to live out. We as Christians need to have the sense that, that God is directional and intentional in our lives. Because that changes how you live. If you think life just kind of happens and you just kind of float along and it's all accidental, you're going to have a different kind of heart towards God. But if you think God is intentional and, and God is on the throne, you're going to live your life entirely differently. Next, as God continues to interact with Jeremiah, the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, Jeremiah admits to him that he's young and he's fierce speaking. And God said, do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you and I will rescue you. God essentially tells Jeremiah, I'm faithful and you can trust my promises. So the second brick, if I had to nail it down to one word, is the word promise. God is a promise-keeping God. If he says something will happen, it indeed will happen. It, it, that has to be part of your interactional formula with God. If he says it, it's true. If he says it, it will take place. If he says it, I will bank on it, amen? Because God is a promise-keeping God. Now, the third brick has to deal with God's calling and equipping. If God calls you to do something in life, he equips you to accomplish that calling. And I, I'm using the word provision for that. Provision. God provides for his people to be successful. It's not about us trying really hard or us being really talented. It's about us being very dependent on God and counting on his competency to become our competency. Amen? Amen? I should get amens for this stuff. It's really good. Plan, promise, and provision. These are the bricks of having a right heart before God. And so Jeremiah is now off and running. If we get to the end of Jeremiah chapter 1, he, he's had this high moment with God. God has a plan for his life. God is a God that uh, keeps promises, and God is a God who provides. So he's high. Have you ever been high in God? Sometimes you young people will go to camp. I'm looking at some young people. Around. You go to camp. Don't you have those camp moments? You go, oh, God, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. I'll do anything you want me to do. 
because you've been, you've been taken out of your normal setting and you're just focusing on God and all the distractions are gone and you begin to see the importance of God and when life comes to the end, that's the only thing that matters and you have this really connectedness with God and you think, I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth. I was 13 years old at a camp setting when I found the Lord Jesus Christ. Here I am today. Changed my life entirely. I'm not saying that's bad to have those emotional moments. Sometimes you're sitting in a church service like this and the Holy Spirit moves on you and really starts working in the deep recesses of your inner man or even a woman and you say, God, you're right. I need to just give my life entirely to you. I need to surrender my life to you and you intend with all your heart to do that. You know what happens after we have those events? We go out into the reality and the mundaneness of life, don't we? And sometimes the pain of life the, the, the hardness of life can kind of get us distracted from this wholehearted devotion to God. Well, Jeremiah has this high in Jeremiah chapter 1, and then there's Jeremiah chapter 2 through 19. Oh my goodness. I don't think it was at all what he thought life would be like. You just need to read Jeremiah chapter 2 through 19 in one setting from Jeremiah's perspective. It's depressing. It's discouraging. And I'm sure that's not what he thought being a prophet would be all about. But Jeremiah in chapters 3 through 19 illustrates to us how to faithfully follow God. How to faithfully follow God. But in those two chapters, we see two problems are identified. Now think about this. You're Jeremiah. Plan, promise, purpose. Now God says, say these hard things to these people. Oh my goodness, and they're hard. He says this in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So basically, what, what the word of the Lord was saying through Jeremiah the prophet was this. The people have forsaken God. They had turned their back on God. And then they were doing something that was a natural outcome of ones who forsake God. They tried to build their lives without God. That's what it was saying here when they're building their own cisterns. What they're saying is, here's God, the spring of living water. He will supply you with all the things you need. I don't want that. So you're over here, I'm building my own cistern, my own water catcher. I'm doing life my way. That's what was transpiring. If you read Jeremiah chapter 2 through 19, this is said over and over and over and over again, just different ways. People were forsaking the God, uh, forsaking God, and they were trying to build life without God. And I just love Jeremiah chapter 2 through 19 in sense of just kind of thinking about what it must have been like for the prophet Jeremiah. Listen, Jeremiah 10.5, God says this to, about the people in their idol building. He said, you're building these idols. You know what they're like? A scarecrow in a melon patch. That's an absurd picture. I don't know about you. I've tried the scarecrow thing. It doesn't work. The birds just roost on it. They think you put up a roosting place for them to eat from. Right? Come on, some of you, how many, anybody garden in here beside me? I've tried everything I can imagine to keep things out of my garden. Those, those little, uh, you know, the, the trouble is, the animals have all the time in the world. I mean, I put up an owl. Ha! That doesn't work. They roost on it. They think, oh, they just put an ornament up for me to sit on. And, and I mean, I've tried all these things, and one time I thought I really had, I really had the solution. So at, at the lake cabin we had, my mom had that singing fish thing. Remember on the board, it was voice activated and it would sing when you walked by it? 
Well, my sister and my wife decided it was time to clean up the cabin and let's get rid of that thing. And I thought, I'll take it home and I'll put it in the garden. Then when the little bunny rabbits hop in so cute, they will get sung at and it'll scare them and they'll run away. It didn't work at all. But I had a singing garden for a while. It was kind of cool. I'd walk out there, the little fish would start flopping and singing. I said, well, if nothing else, you're making me happy. But, you know, um, so God says, you're, you're, you're man-made sister, and it's the thing you're trying to do on your own, trying to build life without me. It's like a scarecrow in a melon patch. You see how ridiculous that is? And so God, you know, is trying to get to the hearts of these hard-hearted people. And as I read these chapters, I couldn't help but think how this response by the people in Jeremiah's day is really the typical response of most people to God. Rejection of God, trying to build their own cisterns, and it's really kind of sad. Can you relate to how Jeremiah must have felt? All this effort, and it's so discouraging. Ever been ignored? Ever been talking to somebody and they seem preoccupied? Jeremiah must have felt that way. And this brings us to our main idea today, and that is staying faithful. Jeremiah shows us how to stay faithful. And first of all, get this. God expects faithfulness from us even when his assignment is hard. He expects faithfulness from his people even when the assignment is hard. We tend to judge success entirely wrong when it comes to God's economy and and, and way of doing things. We tend to look at the gold medal winners and think they're successful, don't we? They got the gold. The silver, they're second. That's no good. And bronze, eh, it's not even worth getting. Right? In our success-oriented culture, success is how much money do I make and how many promotions do I get. Success is being an A student and all that kind of thing. But in Jeremiah's uh, economy, in God's economy, and when it comes to how Jeremiah is interacting with God, um, success is measured by faithfulness. As a follower of God, success is measured by faithfulness. Faithfulness is staying true in spite of the hardships involved. And that's what it means to be a successful follower of God, is are you faithful? Are you staying true to God no matter what you're facing in life? The people in Jeremiah's time weren't listening to the word of God through Jeremiah And so God turned up the heat like he so often does with unresponsive folk. He tries to get their attention and he turns up the heat usually. And God gives Jeremiah an illustration to the people. I'm going to read this to you this morning. This is not fun scripture. All right? I'm just going to warn you. This is not like you're going to go, oh, I want to meditate on that. That makes my spirit feel good. This is tough scripture. Listen to what Jeremiah tells the people in Jeremiah 19 verses 1 through 13. This is what the Lord says. Go out and buy a clay jar from a potter. Take along some of the elders of the people and the, of the priests and go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnon near the entrance of the pot's herd gate. There proclaim the words I tell you and say, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I'm going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. For they have forsaken me and have made this a place of foreign gods. They have burned incense in it to gods that neither they nor their ancestors nor the kings of Judah ever knew. They have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. They have built the high places of Baal to burn the children in the fire as offerings to Baal. Something I did not command or mention, nor did it enter my mind. So beware. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call this place Topheth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnon, but the Valley of Slaughter. 
In this place I will ruin the plans of Judah and Jerusalem. I will make them fall by the sword before their enemies at the hands of those who want to kill them. And I will give their carcasses as food to the birds and the wild animals. I will devastate the city and make it an object of horror and scorn. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff because of all of its wounds. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and daughters, and they will eat one another's flesh because their enemies will press the siege so hard against them to destroy them. Can you imagine being Jeremiah? He must have thought, happy day. I get to tell the people such wonderful news. The scripture goes on and says this, Then break the jar, break the jar, while those who go with you are watching. And say to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will smash this nation and this city, just as this potter's jar is smashed, it cannot be repaired. They will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. And this is what I'll do to this place until all those who live there, declares the Lord. I'll make this city like Topheth. The, the houses in Jerusalem and, and those of the kings of Judah will be defiled like this place, Topheth. All the houses where they burn incense on the roofs to all the starry hosts and poured out drink offerings to other gods. Now you've got to get some perspective here, some history on this. For 55 years, the nation has turned their back and God has forsaken them. Under the ungodly rule of Manasseh, they've gone farther and farther from God. So God calls Jeremiah the prophet to give a word uh, to this people. And basically, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a last word. Turn to me or else. Come to me or else. Follow me or else. How do you think the people responded? Not very well. As we go on into Jeremiah chapter 20, we're told how the people responded. Listen to verses 1 through 2. When the priest Pasher, son of Emir, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten, put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. So he's beaten and put in stocks. This is not a fairy tale ending, is it? You know, we watch these TV shows, big problems, and all wraps up in two hours of the happy ending usually. And if it doesn't, I'm always disappointed because I want to watch TV to be unreal, not to have the real world. How about you? I don't want real world. I get enough of that when I live in it. I want TV to be imaginary. This is not imaginary. He speaks to these folks, this tough word of the Lord, and they're not responding. There's no fairy tale ending here. We have to understand this. If we're going to remain faithful and stay faithful to God, we've got to understand point two. There will be bad days. There will be bad days in the mix as a follower of God. There just will be bad days. There will be tough days. There will be hard things that you have to face as a follower of God. There will be bad days. Can you say with me this is a bad day for Jeremiah? Do you think this is a bad day for him? I think it's a hard day. It's one thing to have an unresponsive crowd. It's another thing when they begin to beat you up and throw you in stocks. That takes it to a new level of disgruntlement. Do you remember the promise that God had given Jeremiah in chapter 1 of Jeremiah? I will rescue you. I will protect you. He gets beat up and thrown stocks. You think he's thinking, God, you're rescuing me here and you're protecting me here? What's going on? I'm sure he thought that. I, I think, you know, he must have thought, God, what's going on? I'm bleeding here. I'm locked in stocks. People are mocking me. This isn't what I envisioned you had for my life when you called me with a plan and promises and a provision. This isn't what I had in mind. For all those who follow God, there will be times of rejection and sorrow. Are you hearing this from people around you? It is the way it is. 
We have to understand that. People are not always going to be appreciative and responsive to the words of the Lord. Part of what we've got to learn through the example of Jeremiah is we are called to have this patience and endurance as part of the package of being a follower of God. We have got to have endurance and we've got to be patient. So get this point. You must get to the point in your walk in God that you have a commitment to endure some pain. You've got to have grit. And I don't mean you just try really hard. You have to have grit and faithfulness to God. You have just got to be latched on to God, and you have just got to hold on to God, and no matter what, nothing's going to shake you from him. You've got to have some grit. You've got to have this enduring patience, this endurant commitment to God. Amen? No matter what comes your way. If somebody asked me about my personality and one of the things that would, I would say was something that I value and say is the utmost important is grit. We need to be gritty people in God. You follow what I'm saying by grit now? I'm not saying that you're just down and hard and doing things that are, you are just latched on no matter what. Amen? I mean, I, I tell people this all the time. The key to success in life is simply this. Make a decision and have grit to follow through with it. But don't go back to the decision over and over again. Decide to follow God and just follow through with it. Amen? Right? If you're going to succeed and do well, you've got to have this commitment to endure some pain. And we have the Holy Spirit living right in us, don't we? And he will enable us. And he will equip us to go through what we have to go through. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, the Apostle Paul gets after some of this idea. He says this, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, faith patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? You didn't say that very loud. Persecuted. Hmm. There will be bad days in the mix of the life of the follower of God. It's just the way it is. One other point I want to make here from the story of Jeremiah this morning, and it's this. God calls his followers to a life of sacrifice. He calls us to a life of sacrifice. Remarkably, if you were to read on in Jeremiah, you would see that Jeremiah continues to preach the word of God. He's beaten up several more times. He's thrown his socks again and um, thrown into a dungeon. In response to that, um, he just keeps preaching. And finally, in, in Jeremiah 38, he's thrown into a cistern. Seems to be a cistern theme here in Jeremiah. But he's thrown into this old cistern. And that means he was in this mud. He was thrown in the cistern. It's full of mud. Now, let me talk about old cisterns with you for a moment. They would be broken, and usually they would be filled with a lot of mud, dead animals, usually insects of every variety down there, and leeches and things like that. So he's thrown in the cistern. It is not a pleasant experience. Are you getting this? Have you ever had leeches on you in your life? Anybody in here? You know what leeches are. Some of you who fish especially. I remember when I was a young man, I went fishing um, in Leech Lake, Minnesota, appropriately named. And um, I, like I usually had done at that point in my life, I was skinned up in some accident. I don't know. All I remember was I had wounds all over the bottom part of my legs, which was pretty normal for me. Well, I wasn't thinking about that. I went out there in my shorts, and I was fishing about you know, waist deep in the water so you could get out. And I did that for about an hour or so, you know. And then I walked into the beach, and I remember looking down and saying, oh, my goodness, there must be 100 leeches on me. 
They, they like those wounds, you know. And so I sat there and thought, hmm, this is probably not a good thing. So uh, it, I went and got a lot of salt and spent a, a while getting the leeches off me. And I, that's the first time in my life I had love willies a little bit. Just looking at that number of leeches, that's a lot of leeches, you know. And I'm thinking, when I think of Jer- Jeremiah being thrown in that cistern, he was in the middle of leeches. And insects of every variety and mud. And some of his buddies bargained for him to be released. And, 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 and they, they, they basically bought his, 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 his release. And they, so 30 men went to pull him out. He was stuck in the mud. It was a bad day. He's stuck in the mud. And, and they brought rags and clothing to wrap around the rope because it was going to pull on him so hard. And, and they had pulled him out of this mud. And, and I, I, I think he was probably, probably too weak to even pull himself out of the mud at this point. They clean him up, and guess what he does? What does he do after that? Does he say, oh, poor me, and give up? That guy goes right back to preaching again. He's incredibly persistent in the Lord. He tried for years to reach the people of Judah, but to no avail. Eventually, just as he predicted, the Babylonian army came and, and destroyed Jerusalem and carried it off into captivity, broke down the walls, desecrated the temple. The people of Judah then were no more, basically. And shortly after the fall of Jerusalem, Jeremiah realizes the very thing he spent his whole entire life predicting just happened, and I don't think he felt good about it. I think he felt discouraged because he was trying to get the people to repent, to turn back to God. And I think he might have felt like, wow, what was my life? Is this what my life work is all about? But get this, I'm going to give it to you in a point. You've got to get this point. Success is measured by faithfulness, not by results when it comes to following God. It's measured by faithfulness, not by results. Amen? And he was extraordinarily faithful to the message that God was giving him. Harry Lydon said this, or Henry Lydon, I should say, said this, nothing is really lost by a life of sacrifice. Everything is lost by failure to obey God's call. And that's what we got to get to the point of. Believing that, believing that success is measured by faithfulness. Now, how I want to end this morning is a little different. I want to end by giving you some challenges of life application. Because if I share this with you and just now tell you to go home, it's kind of depressing. Would you agree with me on this? This is a tough story. But there are some great life application takeaway points for us as followers of God to get from Jeremiah and his story here that are incredibly important. In fact, what I've seen done with this scripture frequently by preachers is they read what I just read to you today and said, that's us! We're the people like they were in ancient Israel and we're all coming under God's judgment. But I don't want, uh, that's not what I want to do today with you. Today with you, what I want us to take away from this is how Jeremiah responded to this whole situation. How he stayed faithful through everything that was so difficult. And he gets to the uh, end of this, uh, you know, several chapters of preaching and no results, and we get to, to chapter 20. And you know what we see in chapter 20 from Jeremiah? A really messy prayer. Have you ever prayed a really messy prayer to God? Because you're in the middle of something, you just don't get it. He prays a really messy prayer to God. There's it's not a prayer that you'd model after because it goes all over the place. One moment he's complaining, the next moment he's praising God, the next moment he wants to die, the next moment he's saying, God, you're almighty, and you're reading, you go, the guy is schizo. Life has broken him in half. But what I, I think about this thing, and the takeaway I have from it is that it's, it's okay, and this is life application number one. Don't be afraid of messy prayers to God. Don't be afraid to do that. God can deal with your authenticity and your honesty. He can handle such prayers. In fact, I think he welcomes our authenticity. And Jeremiah told God how he felt after being beat up, beaten up, locked up. He feels tricked. He feels deceived. Let me read it to you. 
It's from Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 8. Listen to this. You deceived me, Lord. I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. God, and you told me plan, promise, provision. I thought it was going to be cool. You tricked me. That's not what I'm experiencing. But then he says in verse 9, Get, get to verse 9 here, right after verse 7 and 8 of Jeremiah 20. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word in my heart is like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in indeed. And he's going, this isn't fair. I have to say it. But they don't like it. And they don't like me. And his prayer is recorded as part of the Bible. I remember as a, as a young person, Somebody getting really upset in church because they said, Scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And on that particular day, the praise team had done a praise song before a thankfulness song. And they said, you're doing it wrong. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, get a life, whatever. My saying is this, buy a dog, name him life and have one, you know, but don't. But I remember thinking, are you serious? And then you read this prayer by Jeremiah. Read the prayer by Jeremiah. There is no order. There is no order. Prayer sometimes is messy. It's just re- revealing to God the heart of our hearts. And that's okay. Second, what I see in Jeremiah is this, and it's what every one of us can do. Every single person in this church can do what Jeremiah did. He hung in there with God. You don't have to be extraordinary to do this. Everyone I, who I, I've talked to who has stuck it out with God, there's this common theme. They're all thankful they did. So this is point number two. Become committed to endure. You'll never regret it. Get some grit. Hang in there. Hang on to God no matter what comes your way. But I think we have to have a more than a hang in there attitude um, we get some amazing glimpses of uh, the heart of Jeremiah in the midst of this prevailing faith that's going on. In the middle of his messy prayer, he says in, in Jeremiah chapter 20, Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. So he's complaining that God, you deceived me, you tricked me. Sing to the Lord, praise to the Lord. God, I want to die. Our God's Almighty. Just read it once. You go, Whoa, who are you, Jeremiah? What is going on? And then Jeremiah, you know, was used by God to, to, to pen Lamentations. That's the lament of the fall and the destruction of Jerusalem. And he says this in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. In fact, you're going to read this with me. Read this out loud with me. Here we go. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Wow. In the middle of a lament over the destruction of Jerusalem, this is penned. So here's the life application point I take away from all this. Ask God for the grace to remain a sweet-spirited person in the middle of whatever you're facing. Ask God for the grace to remain a sweet-spirited person, even when you're facing hard things, amen? Don't let it sour you. Don't let it get you uh, cynical. 
But re- re- know who God is. Amen? Know who God is. We must be people whose joy and outlook in life are the result of who we are in Jesus Christ, not dependent on favorable circumstances. Amen? We have to be sweet-spirited people. Jesus promised this in Matthew 16, 33. We don't like these kind of promises. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We're going to have bad days in the mix of our life of following Jesus Christ, but take heart because Jesus has overcome this world. One last life application point. This is kind of over the whole book of Jeremiah. Realize that hard assignments are part of being a follower of God. Just realize that. Take that to heart today and stand strong. And if you do so, that defines success. That defines success. You're a faithful one. Henrietta Muir said this, it isn't what you wish to do, it's what you will do for God that transforms your life. It isn't what you wish you could do, it's what you will do that transforms your life. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing a song and do the dedication moment for the new edition. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, this stuff from Jeremiah is indeed, it's, it's tough scripture even just to read. But we know that you're the faithful one. Your mercies indeed are new every morning. That even as the scripture that I read was uh, given to those ancient people. In that time, you had been patient with them, long-suffering with them, wanting them to turn to you, to repent and come to you. But they were hard-hearted and rejected you, God. And I, I just pray, Lord, that we would take away from Jeremiah's example this morning some key facets of what it means to re- remain faithful, to stay faithful. God, that... Uh, we would stay faithful in spite of hard assignments and in spite of bad days. And God, that we would know that, uh, that you are always in, on the throne and you are always in control, Lord, in spite of what we're going through. Give us that ability to have a little bit of a glimpse of a wide-angle view of life, Lord. We don't see everything you see. We are so limited in our focus and so small in our perspective, Lord, that we just don't get the grand picture. I'm sure that Jeremiah didn't realize that thousands of years later, people like us would be reading the account of what he went through and finding comfort and faith and knowledge through it, Lord. He was just a faithful prophet saying your words at the time you called him to say it. He had no idea of the wide effect and scope it would have on generations and generations and generations of people to come. So God, grace us to be people who understand you have a big picture and a broader understanding that we'll ever have. And help us to stay faithful in the midst of whatever we're going through and whatever the moment is bringing upon us. And God, I just pray for the people of Grace Point that we would always be especially sweet-spirited people. No matter what circumstances are in our life, that we would remain soft towards you and that there would be in us a, a ready word of praise for who you are and what you do, Lord. God, would you bless the people of Grace Point this morning? Would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? Would you just uh, grace them to walk out of this place, Lord, determined, having some grit to endure some things that are a little bit painful, Lord, um, and knowing that they can do so because of the Holy Spirit who lives right inside them, Lord. Thank you for this day and all that it represents. Thank you for the scripture. Even though it's hard, it's very profitable. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said,